Welcome to Queers & Co, the podcast all about self-empowerment, body liberation and activism for queer folks and allies. I realise I forgot to introduce myself last time, so I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. I'm a transformational coach as well as creator of the Queers & Co zine and community. We've had so much love so far for last episode with Dr. Charlotte Cooper. Thank you to everyone who's listened. And if you haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate it if you could head to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast as well as leaving a review. It really helps for us to reach more people. My guest today is a dancer, choreographer and dynamic relationship facilitator, as well as a heart-centred dance and embodiment educator. She's also one half of Iron and Sparks, who appear in an incredible film, which is screening in the UK uh, over the next few months. And the film's called Swivel. You should definitely look out for it. And I'll link to the show notes so you can find it. Together with her dance partner, Henry, they explore sexuality and play with the outdated traditions of ballroom dancing by always swapping the lead and follower roles in all their performances. I'm delighted to welcome Rachel Sparks. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi, Jem. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm great. I'm feeling good today. Having a had a nice workout this morning. I'm feeling really kind of full of energy. So <laughs> feel good. Awesome. Um, so there are quite a few things that I'd love to chat to you about, um, particularly around your work with gender neutral dancing. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know your work, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit more about what it is that you do before we start. Yeah, sure. So um, my most of my business is is teaching people to dance and um, my focus has always been on how to make dance a safe place for more people and um, in particular I as part of the the queer community I wanted to I knew I just sort of saw that there was a, a need for a safer space particularly for partner dancing and so as a Latin and ballroom dancer I decided to start teaching um, teaching and finding a way to teach it so that the gender roles were just not an issue and not a problem. So that's that's how gender neutral partner dancing came about. And um, there's other people that are doing it um, and I just wanted to put my spin on it. Um, another important thing for me in that is like uh, creating um, good spaces for that, that help people to be autonomous in their bodies um, and feel um, that they have a choice, that they're making choices rather than just being told what to do. Um, so consent is really big in my classes and I, I try and sort of work mindfulness and sort of um, awareness, self-awareness into all my teaching as well. So that's the kind of bulk of my work is teaching that, but I also teach couples to prepare for their weddings, um, queer couples, but also straight couples. And always giving the option to to swap roles or you know uh, mess it up a bit I like to mess with the traditions and um, I also coach as well now I I've trained in, in embodiment um, kind of principles and I, I now coach people on uh, basically learning how to listen to themselves listen to their bodies and the, their intuition better um, and to uh, yeah, for me, it's about freedom, like finding freedom in themselves and finding freedom in their choices. Yeah, and you can see how all of those things link together really well. Um, yeah, and I guess I, I know on your website, you mentioned that um, 
other people are doing it as well but this is your spin but you said that there is um sort of records of it going back to the 1980s of um, gender neutral dancing mm. yeah so well it's it's been called same-sex dancing really and it was it was out of necessity um people like jackie logan who's just recently been given um an honor in the new year's honors list um for her work and her and ralph schiller did this incredible thing of starting same-sex dance classes for for queer people so for for gay and lesbian and um, people mostly because that was kind of the language that people had at the time um so they wanted to be able to dance with their own partners so they created spaces for that and that was that was a risky time to do that as well mm. so you know they're the they're the pioneers really um and you know we've shifted in culture and in in society in lots of ways but um there's still a need i think but it's it, for me it's sort of a, sh- a slight different angle because the the whole work, like just linguistically saying same sex you're also assuming gender mm. um and you're assuming gay or lesbian really um so for me i was thinking about the broader community particularly because the, my you know personal partners have been trans or non-binary and I was always thinking about what what makes these spaces unsafe even even the same-sex spaces same-sex mm. dancing spaces are they unsafe or are they at least don't they don't feel necessarily inclusive or welcoming not to not to diss who, who people who have who are still doing those um, yeah, of course. things it's just a it's just for me because I guess it's just it's very present in my life. Um, mm. I surround myself with with queer people of of different experiences and different gender expressions, so um, it, it's it became a priority for me. Yeah, and I really liked what you said about um, that. Who you dance with doesn't have to represent your sexuality because historically, I guess one, we assume everyone's straight when you see a straight couple dancing mm-hmm. and two, um, there's often some kind of romantic, I guess, um, implication by dancing with someone rather than dancing alone and to take the kind of romance out of it and to actually, I think you talk about it's being a conversation rather than um, mm-hmm. anything else and that seems yeah. different as well. Yeah, I guess it's sort of, it can be both though and I think that's the thing, it's like um, you know, you could think about it as being like a ritual. It could be mm. a, a dating ritual is to dance together. And that, you know, at one point in time, uh, you know, you could look back tribally, that's that's important in some cultures to 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 dance and do ritual. Um, but it's not just about mating, it's also about <laughs> um it's also about connect, creating connection and, and keeping community alive. Mm. Um, I think, I think it is this sort of just sexualization of, of things that we just do in our society at the moment. And it, it's, um, I don't want to take away from the fact that it actually, yeah, it can be incredibly it, bonding and it can be useful for couples to, to people who are in romantic connection to, to, um, try dancing as a way of exploring their relationship and that's something I offer as well and it's not it's not but I guess it's and it's and there's real value in us as individuals exploring how we communicate with other people 
and and the dancing is a is a really it really shows stuff up like it's it's super obvious as soon as you start looking at it as to how how people communicate and partnering in partner dancing requires this listening and this paying attention to ourselves and to another mm. person and so for me it's like there's brought there's value in it across across different um I don't really know, like configurations, if you like. So the configuration of a couple finding value for their relationship, but also the configuration of just an individual person exploring what it's like or what the habits are in relationship to another person. And that could implicate or impact positively how they then think about their work colleagues or how they communicate with their friends or do you see what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. About, it's just about relationship in general and how we relate um, is kind of what I'm super curious about um, and, and what I've been exploring. So I uh, sort of diverted maybe a bit, but it's, yeah, there's, there's, there's the potential for romantic connection to be explored and, and, and um, really nourished by partner dancing and it's not the only thing. Because all relationships, like any person we come into contact with, we are in some kind of relationship with mm. straight away. Yeah, that so, makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that in mind, what kind of things, um, yeah, I, I know that you've obviously been, you've been dancing since you were really young, I think three, you said. So it's been, yeah. I guess, a real kind of involvement of um, different dance styles and different things that you've been exposed to. Mm. But what do you feel you've learned about yourself through dance? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, it's really interesting because I learned, I learned um, some very classical styles like ballet and, and things like that, and then I also did partner dancing, but in a different dance school. And I had very different emphases. Um, and when up until about the age of seventeen, I was very used to just being told what to do and instructed. And I became very, very disciplined as a person. It like really shaped me as a person. But it was only, it was when I was around 17, I had this massive change in my life. My, uh, I had a bereavement, my brother died and everything in my perception shifted. Like what mattered to me changed. Mm. And it really woke me up to realizing that I had for so long just been good you know done the good thing or followed instructions and always been very well behaved and (laughs) something in me was like ignited and I was like fuck this (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be be sort of bullied you know and I felt that that some dance teachers do have a tendency to kind of push their students in unhealthy ways Mm. So that was a big wake-up call. And I st- had started to do contemporary dance at, at school. I was very lucky. I just went to a, co- a sort of average comprehensive school in Kent, Gravesend. And just we were very lucky to have a great dance department. And my dance teacher at the time was, was super encouraging of me taking contemporary dance further. Um, because it's sort of a thinking style of dance. You're, you're not just well I don't depends who's teaching you but for us it was about becoming thinking dancers not just um vessels to move to yeah. someone else's 
someone else's uh, goal, you know. Um, so that shifted a lot for me. And, and basically, I decided to focus on contemporary after that. And I went to uni and studied that. And, and then dance became like almost therapeutic to me because mm. I was, you know, dealing with this massive bereavement. And I was, I'd moved away. I went to Leeds uni and um there I started to learn about like that that particular course was really good at exploring dance beyond the elite Mm -hmm. so we really looked at the sort of value and the healing properties of dance I guess they didn't use that word but that's kind of how I see it now is the, the value of dance to everyone and how it can be accessible to pretty much everyone yeah, and that, oh, sorry to interrupt. No, go on. I was just going to say that ties in so well with what you said earlier about consent, because quite often in spaces, particularly as children who've um, been to dance classes, like I started dancing at the age of three, and um, I remember I just not feeling, like I didn't think I had a choice a lot of the time. And I thought that was normal, obviously, because quite often in patriarchal societies, that's how people are brought up, right? You do what you're told. Um, But as I got older, and I guess now when I look back, I think how much enjoyment was taken out of it just because I didn't consent to what I was doing quite often. Um, Mm. And I wonder when you bring that into your classes that people come to, how is that received? Like that people have control over whether they say yes or no when a partner asks them to dance or, mm. um, you know, whether they can choose to move their bodies in certain ways or choose not to. Yeah. Um, it seems to be something like, so I've had feedback about it, that it's unique and it's very helpful. It's the reason why some people come to my classes is, is that mm. is because they get the choice. And most people still choose, they do, most people say yes, but then if they're saying yes from a place of um, autonomy and like, I, I, am, I am choosing this for me because this is what I want to do, it's so different to I'm doing this because the teacher told me, like the yeah. quality of that in ourselves. And then what, you know, because basically it's, it's for me it's about self love self love and it's such an overused thing right now but mm. it is like how can we be kinder to ourselves how can we be way more compassionate to ourselves because i really do think we make better choices that way in life yeah absolutely um, and like we are fed so much shit all over the place from all angles from social media mostly and tv and newspapers and everything we're just so like um kind of consumed by all of this and we consume it without even realizing we're doing that Mm. so for me if we can come back to our bodies and come back to what's really true and what our choices are then then we may start to wake up a bit more to what where we're actually making conscious choices or where we're just habitually going along with life yeah and it does feel like there's a shift going on right now. Like just the fact, very fact, you know, we've got Extinction Rebellion. We've got um, young, you know, young people, young kids going out to protest. It's like they're taking control. It, yeah. it really feels like there's a shift going on because we have to, because we're destroying our planet this way. So this, this feels like beyond, it's beyond the individual. It's, it's broader than that for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um... I don't know if, no, I don't think I've told you, but um, my, so I have two children and they're home educated for the very same reasons that mm. um, they're involved in like a, 
well, a very good consent-based project that um, I'm going to speak to the founder of in a couple of weeks. But um, it's all about the children making a choice and choosing what they opt into and what they choose not to do rather than in a school environment where, you know, they often don't have choices. Mm. Um, and I think young people actually realising that their consent is a big is a thing that they have ownership over, I guess. That's not really something that our generation or older generations realised. No. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's it's a really powerful, powerful thing and hopefully a powerful tool for change. Exactly. And, and, and just thinking like back to the original question that you asked me, I had some, just some lovely words come from one of my students the other day, like unprompted, she just kind of shared something and it really touched me. And it was just that she had come to my dance classes because she wanted to explore her her sort of connection with people but also her connection to her body and mm. even though the dancing has been super valuable and she's enjoyed the dancing like if you you could see that as like the external the aesthetic she the the most valuable thing has been what's been going on internally and what she's learning about herself internally mm. and I was like wow that's you know <laughs> ah, I it's everything hope. I hoped for <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's, it's just perfect because and I think that's the thing is I realized that I almost used to separate these sort of interests that I had, you know, I, I teach dancing to people and I was always so interested in how to be reconnect with our bodies. And I always felt mm. like they were somehow separate. And I was like, of course they're not like dancing is a route to that. It's a pathway to that. Yeah. And so I sort of realized I could really combine and, and even though I'm, I really, simply promote my classes as a dance class with these ethics that are really holding it up you know the ethics of consent and and the the focus of having mindful approach it's it's actually having the effect of people are having deeper experiences that I could anticipate really and it's wonderful yeah and um, I guess just holding a space for those people to come and um who I know you mentioned about uh, your class is being open to every body, for example. So every shape of body, every size, every gender or no gender. Um, and just making a space where people can reconnect to their bodies is really powerful because quite often, you know, with things like diet culture, we don't have that space. And people who exist in larger bodies often don't feel like it will probably be the last choice for a lot of people um, to choose to go to a dance class because in the past they may have found that really like problematic or traumatic in different ways but to actually have that is really radical yeah yeah it's super important it's super important to me and actually I'm starting to see how other people are, are sharing this kind of like the possibilities for safe spaces for, for dancing bodies whatever mm -hmm. the shape and whatever their experience and I think yeah it's really um I'm quite interested in how I might reach more people who have found the idea of a dance class to be so, so painful. You know, I, I would love to reach more people really like that's yeah. my hope because, you know, I've had discussions with friends who are like fat activists and, and we talk about, you know, they've talked about like how they, um, value what I'm doing but the the process for them to get from from thinking about coming to my class to actually coming to my classes is it's just there's a big there's a process there for them and I'm I'm curious I'd love to have conversations with people about what 
what maybe I could do more or um, yeah, what needs to be there, what needs to be supported so that, um, so that, that more, yeah, more people with different bodies can, can come and, and feel safe. Because mm. you know, just as I talk about it, I just feel this sense in my heart that's really like I feel sad that so many people get restricted by what what pains they've been through and the traumas they've experienced from the way society treats us. You know, mm. treats people with difference, and um, yeah, it sort of ignites my mission even more. Yeah. Whenever I think about it. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you know Dr. Charlotte Cooper. Do you know her? uh not sure tell okay. me more um, <laughs> she was my podcast guest last week okay so, um, she is a fat activist and part of her like over recent years part of her work has been around dance and um she did an incredible dance at the welcome trust they had like a, a horrible exhibition on obesity oh yeah and so her and her um dance partner did this amazing dance around like in the hall i think where the sculpture was and actually since doing that the sculpture's been removed and they've um sort of reframed how they have the exhibition um and just hearing from her like what her journey around dance has been has been really for me I think really empowering to realize that I thought at a certain age that dance was something I had to leave behind because I was told that I was too fat to dance essentially mm. um and so from from sort of 13 14 I stopped but to see people like Dr Charlotte Cooper who are doing it and who are um yeah I guess just pushing the boundaries in what people think that fat bodies can do yeah is really really encouraging and kind of I think the more people hear about it the more they'll want to explore it as well because there aren't really many many other better ways than dance to kind of get in touch with your body just to move it and it's something that as fat people we're so disconnected from you're kind of like a pair of eyes walking around in a body (laughs) just seeing the outside world and not really feeling which is I guess where our work over um overlaps because a lot of the work that I do is around like tuning into your body and where the feelings are and um it's something that yeah we're very often very disconnected from aren't we oh totally and I think it's it's a symptom for many people for many different reasons this sort of disconnection from the body um uh I, I see it in in people that I who I know who um have experience of a trans identity or who are non-binary or they just you know there can be this experience of my body has um betrayed me somehow and Mm. and to try and reconnect and and make friends with with what is there what is real but also supporting any transition that might be being made or any choice to not transition that might be being made and um yeah just like it's yeah it feels like important for everyone um Mm. that we that we listen into our bodies but um and yeah for me dance is so interesting because the way i came to dance was was so pushed through the aesthetic of it and Mm. now i just don't care like (laughs) i just don't really care about well, I mean, beauty is a beautiful thing as well. You know, aesthetic beauty is lovely and creating beautiful shapes is also a nice experience. But for me, what's really super important is if we can just feel um, how possible things are in our bodies, how, 
it look for possibility rather than restriction and go for ease rather than um like force mm-hmm. this this is sort of perspective has been um something i've been learning more about and like experiencing myself um more so in the last year or so with with my mentor who is coming from a uh, sort of she comes from a bodywork um, background um, but she's also a dancer an actor a performer and she was training in Feldenkrais technique which is a really fascinating technique which is all about finding more ease and finding mm-hmm. the most efficient way of being moving uh, it's incredibly pragmatic work actually but so this focus this sort of idea that if we can move into ease and possibility then we're actually more likely to make progress than mm. if we're constantly forcing against something. Yeah. I guess I that has that, links with them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, it's a bit of a myth that, or it feels like it's not always true that we have to go through pain in order to change or to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds um, similar to flow state, for example, where rather than um, pushing yourself and constantly trying to... Um, I guess obviously some discomfort in a way can be useful if it's a small amount but I guess not that constant push and maybe it's like a a capitalist thing as well right to constantly strive for better and pain is or no pain no gain all that kind of crap if you can leave that behind then actually yeah you can get into the flow of what it is that you can or that you could possibly do there's more potential there yeah yeah it's just again it's like for it feels more kind (laughs) just just feels kinder yeah but um, but it's not true that we don't, we won't ever experience pain and we don't ever need to feel the, the discomfort of life sometimes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's the striving, the striving. I've, I'm just moving away from that in my own life. Like I just don't want to force myself anymore. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel conducive to a healthy life. So. Yeah, I hear that. um so I'm wondering about um I know that you had a film a short film come out last year Mm. and it'll be great to hear about what the experience was of that and I know you've still got some screenings uh, coming up over the next six months it's won loads of awards as well which is amazing (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's been a been fascinating really because this sort of came slightly out of the blue and this is with me um and my partner in dance um uh, Henry who Mm -hmm. Uh, we've, so we were dancing together for a while before this happened, uh, but it will be five years this January. This, mm-hmm. Yeah, five years we've been dancing together. Um, and we were approached by Lois Norman, who's a director, who's also quite new to directing. Like she came from a theatre background, mm-hmm. but she just changed her focus and really wanted to get into the kind of, well, she really wants to represent um women and queer people and wants to tell stories that aren't being told mm-hmm. um so she basically she tells this story like this as well that she stalked us on facebook <laughs> <laughs> in the kindest way she basically <laughs> just watching us following us our, our facebook and instagram and just seeing what kind of stuff we were up to and was quite fascinated by the way henry and i danced together mm-hmm. um, and our focus is is on a kind of equality in the way that we move so when we, we were used to compete and so 
we would compete, but we would um, swap the roles, the leading and following roles during the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then has then fed into the way in which we perform. And we tell stories through dance, basically. And so anyway, Lois was like fascinated and approached us and said, hey, I've got an idea. I'd love to work with you. And it took a little bit of working out because um, Henry's like the one that holds our vision and I tend to be the one that helps the creation. I mean, we both create, but Henry's the one that sort of is our gatekeeper effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And and they're very principled about that. And it's great because they kind of, yeah, make sure that we're doing what really is good for us and what's Mm -hmm. true for us. Um, and I was like, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) And it was like, hang on a minute. What are we actually being asked to do? Mm -hmm. So, so we had a quite a long negotiation period before we actually started work on it. And we did agree eventually. And it was actually about this time last year that we agreed to do it. And we only had, we had very limited time. Um, there was no money in the end, but, um, Lois, basically paid all our expenses for it for it you know the rehearsal time and everything like that mm-hmm. um and we made the decision that that we were okay to do that because we felt like there was going to be a real benefit to doing it so um yeah and then we literally went uh, to wales to to film um just because that was a space that we could be had for a weekend and we had like one and a half days of filming after having i don't know seven hours of rehearsal or something like that. Oh, wow. Not long. No, no, it was really tight. We, I mean, Henry and I could work pretty quickly together in terms of when we got a bit of pressure as well helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were sort of working on a story, an idea, and Lois came to one of our rehearsals and helped to sort of direct it a little bit and bring out some of the story. And in the end, it was really much more focused on the narrative than it was on our dancing which is great because that's kind of what's important to us really mm-hmm. um and i love it i love the film i, I couldn't be more proud of it really um uh, henry and i will just watch it over and over again and just love that's it <laughs> <laughs> so we're very proud to share it and it has done really well this year so um it's called swivel and the whole idea is that that it's that love is not based on gender that's not about um it's not about yeah your gender expression or your gender identity love is 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 all about how you feel what's in your heart and um the narrative of the the piece is sort of starts in conflict and it looks at how you kind of move around and negotiate and the power shifts from one of us to the other because we we swap leading and following through Mm. it and it's not power as an overpower it's more like who is speaking now or who is um kind of having a sense of like supporting the other or Mm. and it goes from kind of a yeah difficult moment to the most tender moment um it's only seven minutes long but it i feel like it tells a quite deep narrative and I and actually I think speaks to people universally no matter what their identity Mm, that's amazing I really hope to be able to see it soon I haven't been able to I think um it was in Brighton a while back but I couldn't 
get mm. there on the date but if people want to watch it um and there where can they go to look for um, listings of, of where it's going to be screened the best place is probably to follow us on instagram mm -hmm. um and on facebook or and or on facebook but everything gets posted on both of those um and uh yeah there's definitely something coming up in london on the 15th of february yeah uh, it's part of the love uh, it's like a love festival story festival um with uh, it's called new new renaissance film festival have organized that one and we're part of that okay great so if um if anyone wants to follow you on instagram and facebook it's iron and sparks iron and sparks is our yeah um is our tag and there's also the swivel dance film instagram that you can look up as well swivel great. dance film yeah okay so we'll put both of those in the show notes great. um amazing and I just wondered, um, so recently, for example, we've seen more gender neutral and um, all same sex, however it's described, dancing in, well, on television. Mm. Uh, and I just wondered what that has been like to kind of see, because obviously it's not, you know, potentially there aren't things like consent and other things involved in the work, but the fact that there's some representation in mainstream media, like we've got Dancing on Ice, um, with a same-sex couple and also um there was one on strictly last year mm. are you hopeful that it's going to become more common or what, what do you mm -hmm. think yeah i mean we've been campaigning for um uh, a couple on strictly like as it when i say we it's like the, the community of same-sex mm. dancers and equality dancers we've been banging on at the bbc about it for a while and um I think it's going to be, that's probably going to happen next year or this year, in fact, yeah, because it's 2020 now. Mm. Um, <laughs> keep forgetting. Um, yeah, I think, I think things are changing and it's good. Like for me, it's just good because it, it's about representation. Like it's so helpful, I think, as a queer person to see um, what could, could look like representation, even if it isn't two queer people dancing together, yeah. that doesn't matter. It's more like that that is an okay thing, that that's okay for primetime TV. You know, it does make a difference. It, you know, you talk, hear about people talking about the first time they saw some, um, like a lesbian couple on TV kissing or something mm. like that, and that how that reassured them that they were not, there's not something wrong with them. You know, and I think it's still needed, like, young people still need to know that they're okay yeah and, and so for me it's like it's an opportunity for representation and um it's a, like a normalizing of something that has been othered for so long um and i think it's particularly touchy it seems to be particularly touchy for two men to be dancing together mm. like because actually it, you know we talk about tradition and tradition being male and female people dancing together it's not that's not really true because in the war lots of women had to dance together because there weren't enough men around you know or whatever so and <laughs> so it's like women dancing together isn't doesn't threaten the patriarchy Mm, they could just be friends or something yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and because women you know are allowed to be soft they're allowed to have connection with each other in that way but the idea of two men having that connection firstly i think pe take, takes people into thinking about sex about queer sex you 
you know mm. for some reason it just like immediate even you wouldn't start thinking about that you know when we have like random politicians on strictly come dancing dancing with a professional we don't think about those two people having sex you know no, it's so true what we but we do have this and i think it's this sort of fetishization of of queer people mm. that happens and particularly to men is like very very challenging for people for some reason um and obviously i don't think people really understand why they're dis disgusted or they find it so hard you know they'll just say it's just not right mm. it's like but why so for me it's like um there's uh yeah it will be challenging it will be challenging people and i think well that's that's not a bad thing um but for me a step a bigger step forward will be eventually if we also see women leading men yeah that would be cool if we, if we see people swapping roles swapping mm -hmm. leading and following because that for me is the broader the more kind of human thing like as in we are all capable of leading and following mm. that's like my that's my belief we are all capable yeah it takes skill we, we have to learn the skills but um being a leader does not belong to men and um and and following being soft and receiving it doesn't belong to women it's just what we have ingrained as a belief yeah and um and there's so much learning that can come from shifting ourselves into different places, into different roles. Um, so, yeah, for me, that would be the biggest step. And, and hopefully that might come. I know in, so there's been um, in Dancing with the Stars. So that's the, the sort of offshoot of Strictly that's come on into other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, two men in the Italian version of it. And they did swap roles sometimes. So that's great. Like that shows you that it's totally possible. And they won, I think, as well. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. I didn't I'm know that. Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah. But strictly, strictly we've seen it as the professionals have done a bit of that. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen it as a, 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 a celebrity and a professional together. So we haven't seen an actual competing couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I guess what would be even more radical is actually to have trans and non-binary people doing dances without, and as you say, like swapping. I mean, the fact that we're still confined on mainstream TV to men or women, and they may be gay or they may be lesbian, but there's not mm -hmm. much more representation than that. That's totally, yeah, pretty shit. <laughs> no, that is that's that is yeah, definitely where we need to be getting to. That would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really cool. Maybe you should set it up. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do my own version. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to help fund me with that, then. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> we'll put your email address at the bottom so people can send you <laughs> your <Yeah>. funds. <laughs> so um, you've had obviously a lot going on and there's different streams of your work. I just wondered what, what next? Are there any kind of big projects um, underway for this year or in the coming years? Mm. Um, so in the next year, I'm kind of, yeah, the streams continue. So I have my dance, te teaching my dancing, working with couples. I'm also sort of doing relationship coaching, which is, uh, using partner dance to help. I think I sort of mentioned that earlier, helping mm. people to explore their relational habits. 
through dance uh, or through partnered work like it's not always dancing it just depends on what's really needed mm-hmm. so that's that's the sort of new focus for this year um i started um a, a workshop a couple of years ago called fuck yeah dance which awesome. is about <laughs> which is about freedom coming to freedom and, and moving um without boundary and um sort of how to how to come to free movement mm-hmm. as a sort of bridge between um yeah between people that have, have never really done that kind of free movement and uh yeah and again safe space queer space you know that kind of stuff so i'm kind of i'm going to bring that back but i'm having a slightly refocus because i've shifted in my own experience and fuck yeah doesn't doesn't fit it quite right anymore for me mm-hmm. but it is going to be about like moving towards yumminess and towards what really feels like pleasure and and uh, what's nourishing mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to sort of set up four workshops across the year that are going to be based around the seasons as well. Um, so it's a watch this space kind of situation because I'm still working that out. Um, but that's that's coming up. So anyone that's come to my Fuck Yeah Dance workshops will probably enjoy these. And I think it might appeal to a few different types of people as well. And um, that's kind of like, yeah, the sort of new stuff. I... I also basically do some great events. Like I've been invited to the Royal Opera House. They wanted to create more um, diverse and inclusive dance, uh, tea dance type events. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be there uh, in March. There's a tea dance there that's that's going to be run by me with a live band. And it really is about anybody is welcome, all bodies, all types of people, all configurations of relationship, anyone families anything because they, they have like a very elite you know following mm. at the Royal Opera House and they're really wanting to I think they have to and they there's a need for them to shift their focus and to really make sure that everyone feels welcome there so mm. so that's that's been a really lovely opportunity that was um I'm gonna name check someone who who got me that job basically <laughs> treacle treacle was amazing she she introduced me there so I'm very grateful for that um, yeah that's such a cool thing to do yeah it's lovely it's very it's a very good vibe and the, the staff there are incredible like it's a very very nice place to be um and I, I would really encourage anyone who feels like that's not their space to give it come and give it a try because um you know I'm I ensure that when I'm running stuff that you know anyone's welcome and uh, there's no like snooty down you know people looking down their nose there it's it's a cool cool vibe yeah that sounds great I'm actually- <laughs> <laughs> yeah please do please do <laughs> that sounds like you've got li- a lot lined up then um and I just wondered when when you mentioned about the relationship um coaching and kind of seeing how people how people's relationships play out in dance mm-hmm. that must be such an interesting experience and I guess can you tell just from looking at how people dance together what um, what stuff would be useful for them to work on or do people often tell you exactly what their issues are before it, 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 it sort of can play either way um, mm. it became really obvious to me like the reason I came to this was because when I was working with couples um, particularly when I was working with couples getting ready for their wedding I could see so much stuff like all well, their dynamics going on <laughs> and I was like oh wow there's something in this you know and so that's why I kind of created a, 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 an offer mm. out of it because I could see there's a need and um, yeah sometimes I can see 
I can see a dynamic or I'm guess I'm sort of intuitively, you know, I'm listening into what my body's saying and what I can see is playing out. But then it's important for me to not just project what I think. Yeah. So, so when I'm working with a couple, I'm going to be exploring, asking questions and it really is that they're going to come up with the answers they're going to see and, and allow the reveal to come to them. Um, sometimes couples come to me with a specific need and, and then we kind of, um, I, I will use specific exercises to explore that. But sometimes what people think they need isn't necessarily what's going to be most useful. Mm. Um, and, and, and I tend to keep my sessions very organic and very much you know, feeling into the moment rather than I don't, I don't tend to plan six sessions ahead. This, this session needs this, this and this because people, humans are ever shifting and ever changing and the dynamic yeah. between two people will be very dependent on the day so my I tend to work much more on the live and in the in the in the present and mm-hmm. uh, really trying to encourage people to 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 share where they're at today so we can work with what's going on and what's live um, yeah and it's it's a it's a potentially um, it, it is healing, I would say. It, would, it could have a healing effect. People often describe it as therapy because it seems therapeutic. I just would want to put a disclaimer that I'm not a therapist, so it's mm-hmm. not a replacement for therapy. It could complement therapy very well, though, and that's something I, I'd be interested in working with um, people who are offering therapeutic services and whether they would want to kind of, you know, um, recommend as something to complement the learning that's going on mm. um but yeah it's um it's super fascinating and it's you know i can see i can turn to see what might be going on but i definitely try and leave it to them to learn and find out that through some exercises um yeah it's super it's super fascinating and i'm i'm excited to to see yeah, what else I learned? Because I learned so much from working with people. Like I, I'm not the expert in the room most of the time. The people I'm working with are the experts on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm 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 a handy facilitator. Is <laughs> how yeah. I see it. It's great work to do, isn't it? I think it's it's yeah, really similar in my work. You just every session you're like, oh, I never thought about something that way, or wow, that's so interesting. It's just a constant learning experience as well. Mm. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> so um, every episode I ask some or ask my guest whether there's anything they'd like to recommend um, that they're enjoying at the moment. So I just wondered if you had anything. Yeah. Um, so what I was thinking of was I just recently saw a performance by Thick and Tight. Okay. Um, our sort of dance collective and company. Um, and so I just saw them at Sadler's Wells. They did, they were in the Lindsbury studio and uh yeah it was brilliant and they do quite a lot of stuff at different events so they also come to the royal opera house when i'm doing my stuff mm-hmm. and um at ducky as well which is at the oh, royal cool. Vauxhall tavern and what's just brilliant about them is they are funny <laughs> um <laughs> queer and political um, and what was lovely about the particular performance I saw was they also had um, a company that they worked with who um, are made up of people who have learning difficulties okay um, but the the kind of 
the again it's like allowing and permission and like possibility mm-hmm. like that's what I saw happening in, in that dynamic so that was I think they're super good and I really would love to support them and what they're doing amazing okay so we'll share them in the show notes as well if anyone yeah. wants to go along and you said that they're going to be at your event at the Royal Opera House as well um they might be again I actually don't know when they're going to next be there but they're often there oh, okay. so I need to check out where 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 to see next but you can definitely um catch uh things at Ducky um and just follow follow their Instagram because they'll they'll pop up stuff there as well okay amazing they sound great thank you for sharing yeah no problem <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me today it's been really great talking to you about your work oh my absolute pleasure thank you for inviting <laughs> me it's it's been lovely and it you know it's just so good to connect with people that are uh, exploring similar things but in a slightly different way so yeah absolutely it. yeah I've yeah. loved it too thanks Rachel my absolute pleasure thank you <laughs> bye bye thank you for listening isn't Rachel just lovely? If you want to go along to one of her events, you'll find links to everything that she's doing at the moment uh, in the show notes. Also, I just wanted to plug her tea dances that take place. I think there's three more that are going to take place through 2020. So whenever you're listening to this, just check out the links in the show notes and you'll be able to find out when the next event is. They are LGBTQIA plus uh, friendly tea dances on Sundays and um, I'm hoping to get to one of them myself. I'm conscious that I still haven't perfected the intro and outro thing. So hopefully they're going to get better. Just stick with me. Um, If they really don't get any better, then of course you can just not listen to the outro bits. Um, So next time, my guest is someone who is an incredible artist and performer. I'm recording this uh, outro on the day that I spoke to them and I'm still so excited about our conversation. I think you're going to love it. Um, It's almost so long that I had to put it into two episodes. So I'm still debating about whether to do that or not. So find out next time. (laughs) Until then, bye.